This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have at this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast this week is Adam Carter, CEO of Luminoso. The challenge that we faced early on was, you know, unstructured text is everywhere. Unstructured text is in everything that humans do usually survey data or customer tickets and they just they need some way to analyze it and they don't have it the traditional way to solve that problem would be to go find a sophisticated data science team build a supervised model which takes a number of months and then you can start to get insights from that data but most people don't have that sort of time this is adam prior to luminoso he served in a number of c-level positions first of all as the ceo of cater propense mining company where he doubled revenue. Then he became the COO at Neoteny Corporation, a chemical manufacturer. And then he was the CFO at the Trigen Companies, an energy company where he led a turnaround and doubled profits and then doubled his equity value in less than three years. He has also been an operating partner to Denham Capital Management and a founding member and partner of Fairlead Advisors. At Fairlead, Adam has led negotiations for acquisitions, divestitures, equity and debt financings, strategic partnerships, licensing agreements, and company restructurings for over 20 different companies across a broad range of industries. Today, Adam is the CEO of Luminoso, where he leads the company's efforts in building products that turn conversational text data into business-critical insights. This triggered me, and hence, I invited Adam to be a guest on my podcast. We explore the opportunities that arise when you look at the abundance of unstructured data that we have at our disposal, but hardly get any value from. And then we dig into the inhibitors to unlock that value and how, by democratizing this, this allows companies of any size to explore value scenarios previously unattainable. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, why it is key to start paying attention to the fact that the real gold in your business software is the data, not the process or the transaction that you manage. Secondly, that just because getting answers from data is complex, doesn't mean it needs to be the job of data scientists. What if you democratize that thought and start addressing a much larger audience? And thirdly, how to stand out in a dense market which is loaded with hype? How do you cut through the noise and resonate? So hi Adam. 
thank you for making the time available this morning to be on my podcast. Great to be here. Yeah, I mean, I just was looking back at how this all started. It started with someone else that was on my podcast, Ying Chen. And she told me a couple of great things about your company. That's how I got intrigued with what you do. So I did my research. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what's, what I see when I'm, when I'm looking at the website. It's totally new technology from my perspective. But before we start to dive into what is the big idea behind your company, a little bit about you. If you would describe yourself in, in three words or two words, what would that be? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm, you know, curious and energetic, I guess. Those are the, the two things that have sort of driven me. Yeah. Curious, very important word. It's a chapter in my book. And without curiosity, nothing moves. And it's, it's, a, great, it's a great skill to keep, to keep going, always be one step ahead from my perspective. So that's a good answer. Although all the answers would have been good, but this is one I like in, in particular. So talking about Luminoso, you've been the CEO since 2018. The company is, has been founded in 2010. But, well, I mean, I can, I can talk about it from what I see from the website, but maybe you should do. What is the big idea behind it? Well, look, I mean, I, I obviously can't take credit for the, the remarkable science here. I mean, that's, you know, certainly what attracted me to the company. It's what attracted uh, just about every employee here is, is the science and what Robin Spear and, and her uh, co-founders have created. I really came in in 2018. I have a, more of a financial commercial background to, yeah. to help take this, you know, amazing science, which we had at that point proven with some really, you know, some of the largest global technology customers so we knew we really had something, but we needed to turn it into something that, that could sell. And so I took over as CEO to, to help drive really the productization and the commercialization of, of the company. Ying Chen, who you, who you met earlier, I brought her on board specifically for that effort to take the core science, which was really housed in a sort of a, you know, a kludgy background, you know, software without, without really strong UI or, or other sort of user-friendly features. And Ying and team did a fantastic job putting it into a product that we could, we could now repeatedly sell to customers. Okay, but what is the problem that you're solving in the marketplace? Yeah, what so what me, did the company see? To that, to that. So we are the only text analytics company in the world that has a generalized solution. And this is really important in the world of, of AI. You know, I think there's a lot of hype around AI and they see, you know, miraculous things that it's done. But most of what the results we've seen have been with what I would call more simplistic data sets. You know, anything that's quantitative and structured, you give, you feed enough information in to a machine learning model and you can, you can discover patterns that you can then drive a business by. But when you get to more complicated data sets, and by that I mean, obviously, unstructured conversational text, which is what we do, but also things like computer vision, you see challenges, similar challenges with computer vision, where the data is so dynamic and so large that finding a generalized solution, a solution that works across all use cases is incredibly difficult. And what Robin and team here have done is created the only generalized solution. So we use a combination of unsupervised AI and transfer learning so that it doesn't matter what your domain is. We will take any domain specific information and give domain specific results without the need for creating a specialized model, which is what everybody else has to do. So, you know, if you're a cosmetic company or a pharmaceutical company or a financial institution, you're going to have very different word usages, your different acronyms, different ways sure. of referring to things. And we can, with as few as 300 verbatims from a domain-specific data set, read, understand, 
combine it with a background space and give you a domain-specific output. So you understand that, for example, to use a sort of simplistic example, Bank of America has a virtual assistant in their app called Erica. They've named their virtual assistant Erica. Well, I mean, Erica is just a, it's a woman's name. So if you go to any sort of background space in any sort of ontological solution, that's what it's going to yield. But we can take as few as 300 data points from Bank of America And immediately we can understand by the way it's being used in the customer feedback that Erica is actually synonymous with virtual assistant. So that ability to to create an automated domain-specific output means that we are incredibly powerful for the mass amounts of customers that have varied unstructured data flows and they need to quickly, because this all happens in a matter of a few minutes, read and understand anywhere from you know, a few hundred verbatims to millions of verbatims and understand what's in there. Yeah, that's, that's what I saw on your website. Turn conversational text into business critical insights. So, I mean, let, let's turn the question around. If a customer, if a prospect comes to you, what is the problem they want to solve? Because I think it's, it has to do with competitive advantage. It has to do with, with like really understanding, for example, what your customers are, are talking about, saying, asking, and and responding back in the best possible way, right? Yeah, so, I mean, it's actually a very astute question that you're asking because I think the challenge that we faced early on was, you know, unstructured text is everywhere. Unstructured text is in everything that humans do. And so what is the use case that one solves if you can automatically read and understand it, right? How How do you narrow that down? And I think the first thing that we did was we had to say, we are text analytics. We are just text analytics. We're not trying to go out there and, and be your CRM solution. We're not trying to, to combine, you know, create some specialized uh, contact center use case, but we will support all of those. So the problem, most entry-level problems are is actually simple for us at this point, which is somebody, and it can be a huge bank, it can be a market research firm, it doesn't really matter what the, the domain is, has a bunch of usually survey data or customer tickets, and they just, they need some way to analyze it and they don't have it. The traditional way to solve that problem would be to go find a sophisticated data science team, build a supervised model, which takes a number of months, and then you can start to get insights from that data. But most people don't have that sort of time. And so we're often our entry level and we have an entry level level product for Inibo of only about $15,000 a year where somebody can just say, hey, I've got this survey data. I'm going to ingest that data. I'm going to read it. And in a few minutes, we've, we've solved that problem. Once we're inside and solving that base level problem, then frequently a customer will say, you know, look, I actually have to do this in a real-time basis, or I want to integrate this into a workflow, and we can work with them. With uh, We also have a, a product that Compass that will do a real-time classification, and we can upsell into to larger use cases. But those tend to be customer-by-customer customer specific I'd say that the two biggest departments are customer experience, where people are really want to understand what their customers are saying, understand what's driving their net performance scores. And we actually have a lot of HR use cases, which wasn't something that we originally expected. But, you know, people are really concerned about, you know, what their employees are thinking, saying, you know, how they're reacting to change in the organization. And so many, many customers do use us for HR use cases. Yeah, at the end, it's about sentiment, right? Yeah. <laughs> and often that is not communicated in a written way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or it's on Twitter, for example, but normally it's on the phone and or over the phone, exactly. 
Well, that's interesting. So what is the potential if you get this right? I mean, if you look at your customer base, what do they come back with to you and say, wait a minute, this is, this is being transformative for us? Yeah, I think, I mean, this has been an exciting time. And I'd say even the last, you know, six, eight months has been a remarkable time in sort of watching the evolution. I think that with any sort of new technology, new hype, you know, there's always this issue where people want to know what's out there. They're not necessarily yet in a position to be expecting solutions from it. So there's a lot of sort of exploratory, there was historically a lot of exploratory efforts by companies just to figure out the technology. But often they didn't have even the means internally to ingest a lot of this data. They were, you know, for years and years, the unstructured text was sort of discarded and they would focus on structured, you know, quantitative, short, you know, multiple choice answers and things like that that can be more easily analyzed. What we have seen in the, you know, I'd say in the last six, eight months has been a remarkable, but, you know, steadily over the last three years is that more and more bosses, so to speak, the CEOs are saying, are expecting that there's going to be value in the unstructured text that they can quickly answer those questions. And that's been combined with also the fact that there's a lot more survey tools that companies are using. So, you know, everything from SurveyMonkey to Qualtrics and Medallia, there are more and more companies have integrated into their operations surveys that include open-ended responses. And now they're saying, how do I get actual understanding of that? I don't see, I mean, look, we are just text analytics, so I'm not, that's our focus. But, you know, certainly from where we are now, we don't see a lot of limits to the revenue potential here. As, as I said, unstructured text is everywhere. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's true. And growing all the time. Right. So, I mean, yeah, talking about your, your product, and you said you came in to also productize it and to make it much more scalable in terms of how you roll it out to customers. If you look at your product and pick up on one or two things that that you did differently from, for example, competitors or other options out there, what would that be? Well, what we did different from before or different from our competitors? Is that, maybe make sure I understand your question. Oh, yeah. What does make the product unique in terms of what it does? Well, I mean, what's, what's the, the strength has always been the science. And so, you know, we knew that going into this, the ability to do that generalized solution, the unsupervised learning, the ability to discover new topics as opposed to, to trying to guess and learn from we can actually learn from the data. So what we needed to do was put it into an easy tool for people to general business users to do analytics. I think that the primary shift for us was when you have just a science without a UI, you know, we were selling to other data scientists and yeah, yeah. You know, if they could use, if they, if they were comfortable writing Python scripts and integrating our API with, with their existing applications, then they could get great value from the core science. And, you know, look, we can still do that. But I think getting to really exploiting the value of what we offer is that you don't need to be a data scientist to use it. So we put it into, and I'll give Ying a lot of credit for this and, and her team, into a, a software package, both uh, we're, we're on the cloud, we also do on-premise deployments, where you, know, you, can, you can put us in the desks of you know, several hundred business users, and they can, as their unstructured texts come in, go and do all that data analysis as if they were a data scientist. So we have, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, not to go into the, the nuts and bolts of the product itself, but all the, the analytics is, is easily done within the software itself. Yeah, you're democratizing the data science. Exactly. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's exactly well, it's, it's, a, it's a lot bigger market at the end. And at the end, you know, it doesn't have to be, if you make something that is really difficult, like not so difficult, then the, uh, yeah, the doors go open. 
and at the end if you if you identify what is the problem that these users are, are dealing with or what is the what could you give them that they had, didn't have before because the reason why i started my podcast in the first place was to discuss those yeah the stories at the end about the value we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way that's what i saw in your company you're you're giving normal people business people insights context and knowledge they didn't have before exactly yeah interesting i'm not a data scientist right i mean i needed something no. I can do, right? <laughs> yeah well that's true and yeah, I mean, if I'm buying a car, I'm also not, not that interested in what the engine does and how it does it. You're interested in the end result. And frankly, even the data scientist community, you know, wants to move on, right? I mean, a lot of the pressure we got early on was from, you know, like sophisticated customers of ours where the data science team may have been the, the initial buyer, but they said, look, we don't want to do this routine work anymore. We want this, you know, done by the, the business users. They're closer to the data. They understand it you know, the, the yeah. sources of it better than we do. And then we'll focus on some of the, you know, more complicated problems, you know, that only they can do. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting evolution that we are seeing at the end. So let me see. Being, being now with the company for two years, one of the things from my perspective would be, but I'm guessing is to, to help grow the company. What do you believe is, that's a discussion I have often with people on my tribe. What's holding you back for growth? Well, I mean, I think the... The biggest challenges are getting the word out there, making sure that in all the hype around, you know, everything AI, that when you really have something that's different, you know, making that clear <laughs> to the rest of the world is not a trivial task. We obviously are a small company. We don't have, you know, millions of dollars to invest in marketing budgets and branding. So, you know, we've got a good team here that gets the message out. We use a lot. We, we have a lot of word of mouth references, but that's good. Uh, that's the, been the primary challenge is just, you know, everybody uses the same buzzwords, you know, we do this and we do that. And, you know, how do you, how do you take a complicated cutting edge science and really get people to understand why we are genuinely quite different? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hate it. It's the reason why I started my company in the first place. But I mean, what have you found most effective for you to, to accelerate that growth? And you already mentioned, well, word of mouth, advocates. Well, I think that, you know, what's, what has been most effective for us has been, you know, once we had a product that was easy to use, was just, we have the ability to quickly do demonstrations with customer data. So we use relatively, you know, easy marketing efforts in terms of, you know, reaching out to general business users saying, hey, you got this problem. And, and when we can get them on the phone and we can show them, quickly get to the point where we can show them on their data on the spot, the insights that would have been unknown to them or would have taken months and months of, of model building to try to solve, that's really the jaw-dropping moment. So this yeah, really. <laughs> inside sales team here that and we have now the ability to do these demos very, very quickly. And that's really seeded our, our growth efforts here. Let me make a small interruption here. Adam just shared a valuable anecdote about how they have created a way to shift perspectives of their ideal customers by surprising them with something magical, a jaw-dropping moment. This is a trait remarkable software companies master. They create something valuable and desirable, and then surprise and hit the right nerve. And you can master these traits as well. And in order to understand how, I would recommend you to read my book, The Remarkable Effect. You can buy a copy at Amazon or any other portal where they send books online. Back to the interview. Yeah, you need that, that wow moment indeed. That yeah. moment where, they, where people see, wait a minute. Yeah, see something that they wouldn't expect 
And that's so interesting. Say things all day long until people actually see it, and you know, really yeah. say, "Wow, you did that!" And 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 that only took a minute or two, right? I mean, that's you need that aha moment. Yeah, and then they start to talk for you, like, "What can they do with that?" Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, let me see. So, I mean, talking about examples of your customers, what what is an anecdote that you're most proud of from what a customer achieved with this? Well, I, I don't yet have rights to say their name publicly, though I, I think I will shortly. But I had a pharmaceutical company come into our offices about three months ago. And, you know, we're, you know, we've been in all sorts of sectors, right? We've been very strong in places like computer gaming, which is fantastic and, and great to be able to help a challenging and what we'd say ontologically challenging sector where the words are very unique in every every company. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're helping people, you know, with their online gaming. But we had a pharmaceutical company in the office and they told us that we had changed the way they had done their drug development strategy because now they can access patient and physician notes from all over the world and, and use that to drive, you know, what people are doing to what their symptoms are, what, what how they address them. And, you know, you walk away from something like that and you realize that you're doing more than just helping people read. You're actually helping, you know, people be healthier. And that was, that was a very proud moment for, for all of us that were in that meeting. Yeah, funny enough, two weeks ago, I published an interview with Trials.ai. And uh, I mean, what I learned from, from that interview is that the time it takes to get from, from the idea of creating drug to actually releasing it is about 10 to 12 years. And there's billions and billions of dollars going into that. And a lot of it is failing. So mm-hmm. if you can contribute to that and accelerate that. That's massive. Yeah. That's interesting to see that, that these things at the end sometimes are, yeah, you don't expect that to unlock such a big problem. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, well, I told you about my book. I wrote a book, The Remarkable Effect. And in that book, I revealed the 10 traits of a remarkable software company. You've been in the business for a while as well on both sides. I mean, being the CEO of a number of companies I saw and also on the the capital side, right? Mm-hmm. So if you would, I mean, you could say something about Luminoso, but also kind of more in general, like what do you believe a key trait or, or a couple of traits that are, that you need to have in order to do something remarkable as a company and be there for the long term? Well, I think it's one of those things where if I think beyond Luminoso and I think about a lot of companies that I've been involved with, you know, of course you have to start with something of, of substantive view. I mean, you know, you have to, it's just, it's very difficult to rally a team around something that isn't, doesn't have something special to it. And of course, with a company like Luminoso, that's, that's an easy part. But I think once you get beyond that, having that alignment of interest and that energy, the people, it really does come down to people. I know that sounds sort of trite because everybody says it, but I think that, you know, as CEO, and I've been in in situations of high growth, I've been in situations of challenging economic times, you know, 80% of the job is is people, is making sure that people, the right people in the right spots and your everybody is you know, aligned together. And that's not just the employees. It's also your board, your investors, your customers, you know, it's, you just have to have that right energy. And when you have that right energy in, in, inside the company, it's amazing what can be done. It's just all of a sudden things that seem hard become easy, but you know, it's not a simple thing to get either. You have to work at it. That's true. Yeah. Have you got any special tactics or tricks that you use to keep people aligned? Well, look, I two things. I think that it's really important to have team members, and I'd like to say that this is a strength of mine, that are that are come to a job somewhat egoless. And what I mean is we all have our, you know, pride in, in what we can do and we should be proud of what we can do. But 
but we need to look at the business as a challenge, as a problem to be solved and something that is independent of any one of us. It's, and then you can, then you can, you know, sort of get beyond the interpersonal issues and really just focus on what's, you know, how do you maximize the probability of success? Because that's all any of us are doing at the end of the day, right? We don't control the world. We can only control our part of it and we need to be objective. And so I try, you know, the, when I'm hiring new people or, you know, trying to instill values in by example, it's, it's really, you know, let's separate me from the equation. Let's, let's talk about what's right for the company. Very good. I like that. Too many egos out there sometimes. <laughs> and you see that in sports as well. If the, if, the, if, the, if the team is full of people that are individually excellent, but if it's not a team, they still lose. Right. Yeah. We've seen some interesting examples over the last couple of weeks again in football. But <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we just talked about the advice you would give to peer CEOs, and I think that's great advice for this. So what is next for Luminoso? What is your greatest aspiration for the next 12 to 24 months? Well, look, we're really in a, in a phase here of showing how rapidly we can build up and expand general business users, right? I mean, I think you see it on our website, this uh, democratization of AI. We take that very seriously, and we are measuring ourselves literally every week by how quickly we are getting that message out there and getting ourselves in the hands of the most people. I'm actually measuring success. You know, I mean, obviously we measure everything and revenues at some level, but it's really, I want to have as many customers and as many good customer testimonials as possible over the next, you know, four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, right? I mean, this, I think we're seeing a real surge in, in interest here. And, you know, after that, I think, you know, some of the the expansion that comes from that, the ability to, as you know, we're, we're multilingual, we're in 15 languages. We have a, a good presence in Tokyo. We've done, been very successful in Japan, but there is a number of other markets that we could, with, you know, with the, the strength of what we're doing here, expand into comfortably. We, uh, you know, even in places as far, well, I mean, I don't want to speculate too much, but I mean, there's so many underserved languages out there and we, we can become very English focused because so much of this happens and I'm, you know, we're obviously American here, but the fact is there are, there's lots and lots of languages in the world and we should be uh, bringing the same value to all of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting thing in itself, regional differentiation. Yeah. And obviously the kind of the, the big use case and the big business case is like the, the larger languages, English, Spanish, and so on. But yeah, you could, you could be dominating the world if you just go for the odd languages well, I mean, look, we're, we're in Arabic, we're in Indonesian, we're in Polish, we're obviously all the major European languages, French, Italian. So, you know, I mean, and part of the, one of the reasons for our success in Japan was, you know, we had, we had some, a couple of investors there, we opened up a small office and, you know, just the, the demand for anything that can, and we do it natively, we do it as strongly as we, we are in English. So we see a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's, that's, that would open up a whole lot of discussion again. That's for another time. Yeah, I mean, if there's, if there's anyone in the audience that could help you, what would you, what would you ask? Well, look, I get help from everybody. I think <laughs> I like to be, consider myself a sponge. I guess I started off saying that, you know, curiosity was sort of one of my core defining things. I mean, obviously, one is always learning as they go. I didn't come into this as a, into this job with, you know, ton of expertise marketing AI to the general business user. And I'm fortunate to have good people here helping me. But, you know, I think that I would love to learn from people in your audience that, you know, have been there, done that and help take a company from 
you know, a few million in revenues to, you know, a hundred million in revenues with, you know, with something software like ours. So I don't know. I'm always looking for <laughs> to learn from others. Yeah, well, I think it can help you in a couple of ways, but that's a, that's a different discussion. So where can people go to, to find out more about Luminoso or to say hi to you? Well, I think, you know, our website's a great starting point, uh, www.luminosa.com. You know, feel free to fill out a contact form. I'd love, we love giving demos. We love that aha moment. We can certainly show it on, on existing data, but it's even more powerful when we can show it on, on your data and, and you can really see the power of a generalized solution, which just isn't available anywhere in the world. So, Okay. I'll make sure that's coming out loud and clear. Well, thank you very much for your time today. And I was inspired by a number of your answers. So that was yeah, eye-opening for me in a, in a number of ways. So thanks for that. Okay, well, thank you for your time. This finalizes the podcast interview for today. I hope you got ideas from the anecdotes and the lessons that Adam shared. I encourage you to share your thoughts and ask additional questions if you have them. And if you liked it and got inspired by this interview, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Adam Carte, CEO of Luminoso. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.